this uh, introduction to our Healthy Church series, I've got to be really careful here, it would be uh, even more fruit. Uh, even more fruit. Jude, we're going to get this up here, mate. Give me a hand with this, without unbalancing the apples or the bananas. Whoa, way, whoa. I had to cover it up because Bill was working his way through the grapes uh, in the worship <laughs> rehearsal. And thank you, Jude. Jude, can you bring out my uh, really healthy tree as well, please? It's uh, been growing stuff in the garden. Even more fruit. Why, why are we teaching on healthy church? You might try, yeah, see how you get on with it. That's fine. Um, it, it should be really simple in church life. Uh, I appreciate I'm trying to speak now. My son's moving a dead tree, so that's much more distracting than what I'm saying, but I'm going to plow on regardless. Um, it should be really simple in church life to keep the main thing the main thing. And here we say, like any church from the scriptures, we uh, that's great, Jude. Thank you. Great, great, great work. Like any church from the scriptures, our responsibility is to love Jesus passionately, to love one another wholeheartedly, and, and to love Crawley, to love the town and the regions beyond. Uh, that's why we talk about an up in and out kind of discipleship, upward in our love for Jesus, inward in our care and love for one another outward in our love for those that don't yet know Jesus. Um, and we all say amen and agree to that kind of model of discipleship. But somehow we've got to go on day to day building our lives with integrity, with maturity. Um, our Sundays are important in that. Our community life, our small group life we've been hearing about, the way we pray and develop a prayer life, our evangelism. Um, this stuff doesn't just happen with a slogan. Um, thankfully, we have a saviour. We've been worshipping this morning who has committed himself to completing what he started in you and in me. He's Thankfully, he sent the Holy Spirit, the helper, uh, to shape us, to mature us, to live in the world for the praise of his glory. Thankfully, amazingly, he invites us to participate with him, uh, not just to watch him do his stuff, but he invites us to join in. He um, invites us to be joined to him, to receive his life, to get to walk with integrity of character, uh, to be teachable, to operate in faith and obedience, and to do so in deep relationship with him and in deepening relationship with one another. That's kind of what a healthy church looks like. It's going to be a real emphasis for us this term. I've said it's not about programs, uh, but there are some things we do that help us um, grow in these areas uh, of, of health. Uh, we're going to teach in the coming weeks on, uh, on building healthy community, uh, on a healthy missional life, uh, a healthy response to suffering and real joy in Jesus, uh, healthy hearts and acts of mercy, um, a healthy pursuit of the presence of God. Oh, yeah. Um, a healthy uh, discipleship and growing maturity amongst us. Um, so there are things that can help us. I think even today, things like the, the, this barbecue, just eating together. Oh man, if, you, if you're able to open your home, if you don't have a home, take someone for a coffee. But simple acts of hospitality are at the very heart of what it means to become and grow in a healthy church, sharing healthy lives, working together, doing jobs on the building. Please stay and, and, and uh, join in and help this afternoon. The week of prayer and fasting coming up, Chris said I've mentioned that. I, I think a week of prayer and fasting doesn't break into a healthy church teaching series. If, if we don't have a week of prayer and fasting, we're, we're missing the, the true life and the true health that Jesus has for us. Um, we've got our dear friends Joseph and Lillian Wheeler coming to do a weekend uh, from Zambia with us at the beginning of October. Again, it doesn't break into the series. Uh, they're going to do some, uh, some teaching over Friday, Saturday and Sunday for our equip 
weekend on freedom from demonic strongholds, bringing uh, other good friends, Rob and Helen Coleman, down from Bolton with them. Oh boy, if, if, you, if we want to grow as a healthy church, this is one area where we can really get hold of, be released from uh, some stuff that so easily entangles us in order that we might grow in the health and the walk that Jesus has for us. So what is healthy church? I'm just going to be in John 15 this week and uh, probably next week a little bit as well. Here's Jesus speaking to us. John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes or cleans so that it will be even more fruitful. Say even more fruitful, please. Okay, wow. Let's just try that again. Say even more fruitful, please. There we are, that's good. Well done. So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Can I just hear a much fruit? Oh, that's much better. Um, Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear, say it again, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What What a wonderful passage that is. So if you, if you look at the books on the Christian bookshelves and bookstores, there's an awful lot on growing church, church growth. There's an awful lot on successful church. Thankfully now there is a little bit more on healthy church. I've found that as we come to Jesus, the true vine, um, that he exposes in my life and for us as churches some false roots that need pulling up before we grow in health, some blind spots that we have, some unhealthy default settings that we We live by. Um, When we look at Jesus, we identify very easily and readily what healthy isn't. Uh, And perhaps we'll start that way uh, this morning. We so readily use all the wrong measures um, for for measuring success in church life. It's a kind of performance-based idolatry. Um, Jesus says, come to me and let my life shape you. Uh, oftentimes, and particularly for those of us that have the responsibility of leading in church, we walk around with our fingers in our ears, say, yeah, we, thank you for that, Jesus, but we've got some good ideas of our own, and we'll try and run with those for a little while. Um, earlier this year, I was invited by my GP. I had a letter from my doctor. Uh, first time I've ever had a letter. Turns out they write to all the middle-aged guys, uh, and uh, it's some kind of middle-aged man, MOT, they rather kindly described it as when I went in. And you'll never guess what they told me. Uh, eat a bit more healthily and do a bit more exercise. Um, and that's absolutely true, by the way. They always say that. They keep saying that, do they? Um, well, that, that's not bad advice, and I'm not knocking them for it at all. We, we know that eating better, exercising more will, will help our bodies. But we also know that transforming our bodies is more than just being concerned about the outward appearance. Um, when I was um, 19, 20, 21, Um, I could eat whatever I wanted, I could pack away the calories, I could stay up all night, didn't need sleep. Um, It had no apparent impact on my body whatsoever. However, by the time you get into your 40s, (laughs) it, it may even still look relatively healthy on the outside, it does not mean that there is health on the inside. Um, Our car is going to need a service 
soon. It also needs a wash quite badly. Um, I could just wash our car so it's shiny and clean and give it a wax and it's gleaming. And you may think, wow, that car is a really good car. But let me tell you, if it doesn't get a service soon, it might may be the shiniest car in the car park, but it isn't going to do what it's primarily designed to do, and that is to start and function and get me from A to B. If, if, if it needs a service, I, I don't just wash the outside. I don't just deal with the externals. I need to pay attention and maintain what's under the bonnet. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? If it's true for our own bodies, if it's true for our cars, how much more is it true for what, what the scriptures describe as Jesus' body, the church? for us to be a healthy church. I love the way Jesus speaks, Matthew 15, um, verse 16 to 20. He says, uh, are you so dull? That's great. You're allowed to say that if you're Jesus. Um, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Jesus was responding to uh, uh, an accusation uh, from those around him, saying, hey, your disciples, they don't follow the religious uh, rules regarding ceremonial hand washing before they eat. Jesus says, hey, forget the externals. It's about what comes out of a man's heart. Paul put it differently, 1 Timothy 4.8, where he says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise both for the present life and for the life to come. So in this Healthy Church series, we're just having a little bit of a reset, a recalibration. We're remembering, recognizing. It should be obvious, but we're just pulling ourselves back to this baseline, that we work from the inside out, that we're serious about heart change, that in turn produces healthy character or godliness, as to use Paul's word. And healthy character or godliness produces healthy externals, behavior and action in the world that really does bear fruit because it starts from a healthy place with a healthy heart with God. Can I hear an amen, please? Still with me, yeah? Still wondering about the dead stick or have you worked it out yet? Church, we, we do not want to be the kind of people, and it's so easy for churches to become this, who look right on the outside, where we appear to run all the right ministries, do the right things with apparent success, where we appear to love each other superficially. But the reality is, if you look underneath, if you took an x-ray, you'd see we're like that kind of 20-year-old guy with a six-pack, but he's guzzling away McDonald's and energy drinks for his dinner night after night. And although he may be okay right now, you can be sure there is a breakdown coming pretty soon. It's not who we're to be, church. Jesus has called... Jesus calls those kinds of people and those kinds of churches Pharisees, those who are concerned with whitewashing the walls but not dealing with integrity of heart. To the Pharisees, Jesus invites them, uh, commands them to lay down all their wrong ways and to come to him, to come to the true vine for true health. As I was saying earlier, I think for uh, church leaders, we, we can be even more prone to this temptation for external Measures. It's true for all of us. It's true for each of us here today, but it's certainly true for me and for other pastors. Performance. Ah, competitiveness. When, when we planted our first church, I used to go to, to leaders' meetings around Manchester and they'd all be asking, uh, how, you know, how, uh, how are you doing 
in church life. What they, when a pastor asks another pastor that question, what he means is, how many people have you got? That's the kind of nice pastor code. And I used to kind of hide away at the back thinking, I hope they don't ask me how many I've got because we, we've, we've got a few people in our front room and actually um, we've blessed a few other churches with some of them recently. We've, it's, it's what we call negative growth, I think, in sales terms. Uh, and so please don't ask me. We, pastors all the time are measuring by performance. There's, a, there's, a, there's an ugly competitiveness. Uh, we're obsessed with size of church, number of people, amount of money coming through, the size and the scope of our ministries. Hey, don't hear what I'm not saying. These things can all be really helpful measures and helpful uh, pointers to, to, uh, to what God may or may not be doing. Um, but if we follow them in and of themselves, it becomes a slavery. It becomes an idolatry, as, as I mentioned earlier. If you follow an idol, you're a slave to the demands of the idol. You have to keep the machine going. You have to keep on top, keep ahead of the game. You have to, um, you have to keep being bigger and brighter and more attractive. It, church is an idolatry uh, and uh, it, it produces false health. It's what now would be uh, called in our modern parlance fake news. It's so wearying. We get worn out, burned out trying to live this way as church. It's certainly not a healthy church. And if we, if we sense any of that in our hearts, in any ways that we respond to the call of the gospel, then we need to repent of that. Repent of idolatry, actually. We need to be healthy. Never mind things like personal pride. Never mind our need to, to try to run around rather than obeying, being faithful and obedient with the gospel, trying to please people, keep people happy, needing to impress. Um, never mind a, a kind of fear of man that means in our discipleship where we really do want to love one another and help one another because I just want to keep you happy with me. I'd rather let things remain in your life than lovingly confront an appeal for a heart change. All these ways of behaving are unhealthy. They may serve us for a while. We may look okay on the surface, but it's not healthy discipleship. It won't produce healthy, fruitful, living churches that lovingly impact our community with the gospel. You still with me? It's, it's a heavy message this morning. We're, uh, one of the things we're thinking and praying about in the new year is uh, doing some teaching through the, the first few chapters of Revelation and looking particularly at the letters that, that, uh, that Jesus writes to his churches. Each of those churches in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation were full of, of, of real believers, men and women like you and me, trying to live for the gospel. If we looked at them from a distance, we'd think they looked and sounded right. And yet to one of those churches, Laodicea, Jesus says, hey, church, everyone else thinks you're winning, but I'm ready to spit you out of my mouth. You're so lukewarm. What is healthy church? It's, it's none of the externals. <laughs> they at best lead to lukewarmness, if lukewarmness is even a, a word. As, as, a, as a pastor here, my call, my responsibility before God year after year is to faithfully invite you to provoke you, to encourage you, even at times to admonish you and to lovingly discipline you if necessary in order that my life and your life grows on this kind of healthy foundation. That's why we go over and over these scriptures over and over time. So this morning, these next few weeks, perhaps we should just give ourselves a bit of a, a spiritual health check. Maybe we need to ask the Holy Spirit to, to witness to us, where there may be areas that need attention in our hearts and our lives. I've got some, uh, some sheets at the back. Um, they're on a chair by the door. If you, if you want to take a bit of a spiritual health check, take one of these away this morning and, and spend some time in the next few days just reading prayerfully through it. 
I was uh, out walking and praying last month and I, I felt God whisper to me about some of, some of this, um, some of the barriers we have to, to growing the right way. Um, it just reminded me, um, I think I was out walking and praying because I'd started a run and because I was carrying a bit of an injury, I'd broken down for the run and I was walking. And so I began to pray out in the middle of nowhere somewhere. And I felt God say that I can dress up in my running gear, but I'm still struggling to run. I keep breaking down. It's, I've been told it's scar tissue. And when, with scar tissue, with exertion and stress on the muscle, it can perform the same way. Uh, it can't perform the same way, and so it locks up when, when the exertion comes. And so you're out for a run, it gets aborted. Even when I'm walking, I'm aware of, of little niggles that I never used to have any kind of sensitivity to uh, at all, never used to take note of. Even when I'm moving okay, in the back of my mind, there's a fear, an element of fear. Hey, pretty soon it's going to lock up and hurt again. And I just felt the Holy Spirit witnessing to my spirit, you've been living a bit that way. And I felt it was true for some of us, perhaps in the whole family as well. Some of us have developed this kind of inner unhealth. We, we may be dressed up right on the outside. No one would know looking at you this morning. We've done all the right things. We've sung the songs. we put our hands in the air. We smile in the right places. We're dressed up right in the right gear. But there's a, there's a reactiveness now in our hearts. Maybe it's through hurts. Perhaps we've lost some of our ability to run. I think Nick's work was partly about this this morning. It was a real clarification for me just to share this. We've lost our confidence. We've lost our courage a little in running into kingdom life. Maybe for some there's a fear of conflict that means we just kind of wait back, waiting for the next blow or the next breakdown to come. Lost our ability to run hard and joyfully with freedom after Jesus. Maybe it's just me this morning, but perhaps, perhaps there are one or two others here as well. Hey, to those of us that uh, are waving our hands internally this morning. <laughs> Jesus, the true vine, invites us to come to him. He says, abide in me, remain in me, rest in me. I love the scripture, draw me after you and let us run together. He invites us to leave fear behind, to learn some familiar new ways with him, the rhythms of his grace, some healthy exercises to stretch out again into his purposes, to get healed and freed from fear as we come to him. Can I hear an amen, please? So coming to Jesus, and we'll come back to John 15 now, shows us we hold up Jesus in his words and we see very clearly what healthy church is not, but it therefore helps us to define what healthy church and healthy discipleship is. And that's where this beautiful passage in John teaches us about truly healthy lives and truly healthy churches. If you're like me and you're just weary of all the wrong ways, that look right but don't produce any true fruit. And you know, right, this stuff hasn't... By the way, teenagers, this is fruit. It's great stuff. It's amazing. You know these haven't grown on there, don't you? I hung them on there earlier. Uh, nothing can grow out of that. Jude found it in the back garden here uh, at the church building. Uh, it's a dead stick. If, like me, you're tired of dead stick Christianity, um, let's come to him with our heavily laden, our weary hearts. Let's just discern from his whisper hey, the main things he calls us to again. And then with an expectation that he will keep his promise to pour his life into us with fruit that follows. That's the measure of truly healthy church. In, in this John 15 measure, our, what's our responsibility? Let me write you, if you're writing a notes, if you're writing a list this morning, let me encourage you. It's always good to try and write a note or two so I can come back afterwards. Here, here's my responsibility for success 
Enjoy God and enjoy one another. That's essentially what John 15 tells us. Be obedient to the kingdom mission, absolutely, but out of an enjoyment in God and a love for one another. That is it. The rest is his responsibility. Ours is to faith and obedience and joy in God. His is to produce the life and the fruitfulness uh, and the success, whatever that may look like. Our focus is to rest, to abide, to enjoy, to be obedient out of love and in accordance with his will. So we're just going to meditate for a few minutes before we worship, pray, uh, and go out from here this morning on these verses. Let me encourage you to keep it alive in your own uh, Bible reading and study and prayer this week, thinking over what it means to be a branch that remains in Christ, that is alive in Christ. In verse 1 of chapter 15, Jesus calls himself the true vine. Over the last few minutes, I've identified and we've agreed there are a number of other sources, a number of other roots that we have run to. But he's the true vine. These other ways have promised to satisfy, but they don't really. In fact, they don't ever, they don't fully, they don't at all. Um, They give us a, a way of operating in life and in church. They give us some hope, but it is hope that disappoints. Jesus never gives hope that disappoints. He gives hope that doesn't disappoint. The scriptures tell us that. Jesus is the only true vine. I I still struggle years and years after learning this. Can it really be as simple as to just take hold of him? But the answer, and it may be a bit Sunday school, the answer is, yes, it really can be. Just take hold of him. I was reading this week, I I, I had to, um, Joe and Luce came into my office and I had to share it with them and I didn't share it very clearly. I was so excited by it. I've been reading Numbers 13 where the people of Israel, the whole family of Israel, they've come out of slavery and captivity in Egypt and they're on their way to the land that God has promised to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey and fruitfulness and abundance, the promised land. And uh, they send some spies into the land to, because that land is occupied and they're a bit nervous and they want to check it out. And uh, it says they bring back a cluster of, of grapes. And uh, here's what you get in Tesco's. It's great. It's lovely. Bill enjoyed them this morning. There's a few left for the rest of you afterwards. But it says uh, of the, in, in Numbers 13, they brought back clusters of grapes that were so large that they had to carry them on a pole between two men. I've never seen grapes like that before. I don't know what kind of fertilizer you have to use to get grapes that big. Um, the stuff that I see growing, Malcolm and Nikki's garden is fantastic. But when I was looking at Mal's grapes out of his window the other week, they were pretty small, Mal, weren't they? Um, probably pretty, pretty bitter as well. You probably spit them out. Uh, it says in Numbers 13, they were so heavy it took two men to carry these grapes on uh, a pole. Um, and yet in the face of this abundant fruit, plucked fresh from the promised land that God himself has promised them. The, the people with their rebellious hearts were looking for another way, another vine, uh, and so they refused to go in. They refused to trust the provision of God and take up it, their inheritance in the land. It was only Caleb who, who said, I'm sure pretty belligerently, we should certainly go up and take possession of this land. And friends, when we, when we look at that passage in the light of the new covenant and all that Jesus has done and this beautiful passage in John 15, Jesus is the true vine. 
He's the, the promise that we're invited into. He's the fulfillment of this passage. We get to enjoy him in all his abundance as we're connected into him. Jesus is the, the kind of promised land destination for us and Jesus is the way to get to that destination. He's the one that says he's the way. He's the fruitful vine. He has so much abundance in the joy that he has ready to pour into us that we can't contain it or carry it as he lavishes it on us. He's the fulfillment of Caleb's cry for God's people to get ahead into the promise. We, we, we hear Caleb and we say, yeah, we want to, but we don't know how. Jesus says, follow me, I'll take you to the Father where there are many rooms and where there's much abundance. And so we can agree with John's letter later where he says, behold what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And so we come to the true vine, Jesus, who's walked ahead of us and made a way for us to come into a fruitful life with God. Jesus alone. Jesus the only way. Jesus the way, the truth, the life. Jesus the living water. Jesus the bread of life. Jesus the true vine. It's no wonder we sing what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. It really, really is. Wow. Oh, amen. There's been so much pruning. Jesus goes on to speak about that. These uh, pruning's pretty tough. Don't know how that'll go. Look at that. It's broken off that stick. I just need to give it a twist. It will go. You go on to read verse 2. and I won't do it because it'll pull the whole thing down. You go on to read verse 2 and 3. And Jesus expresses something about that. Pruning is painful. But Jesus has promised pruning as well. That's where the fruit comes from. In fact, I think I'm, I'm learning more and more that pruning in itself is a measure of success. If there ain't pruning going on, there ain't true success. Because although at the time pruning feels more like failure, feels more like humility, weakness, brokenness. But actually this passage tells us pruning is not about that. If you just see it in that way, you've got your head down and you're not looking at the whole season. Jesus says, yeah, there's pruning. It's painful. Things get broken off. But it's not pruning for pruning's sake. Verse 2, it says that we're pruned in order that we will be even more fruitful. That phrase we were saying earlier. If you're feeling pruned right now, <laughs> look around, disciples. You're not alone. <laughs> there's a whole lot of pruning going on. It's Jerry Lee Lewis, would, I think, sang once. If you're, if you're being something like that, if you're being pruned right now, you're in a healthy place. You're actually in a successful place, using that word carefully. You can lay a hand on yourself, feel some broken branches, aware of loss and weakness. Hey, do you know what we can say? Not glibly at all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're doing something because you're committed to making me even more fruitful. Can I just hear that phrase again, please? Yeah, amen. But this time we get to grow fruit, not fruit of our own making, not the... the bitter, hard, little Cameron grapes <laughs> that are outside Malcolm's window. Uh, we cry out for his fruit to grow from our painfully pruned branches and Jesus, the true vine, makes it possible. How does he make it possible? Oh, yeah, I was reading, how does Jesus make fruitfulness possible from pruning this morning in my notes? And I noticed that the word how contains the word ow in it and I think that's how Jesus makes pruning possible. If English isn't your first language, I'm sorry about that. Don't make notes of that one. Jesus, how does he make it possible? Verses 4 and 5 tell us in John 15. Jesus says, simply stay connected to me. 
You can't switch on the news right now and you won't be able to for the next five years probably without hearing remain or leave, Brexit arguments. There's only one word that wins the argument. Jesus says remain. It's not a political statement about how you voted or not, but Jesus says remain in me. It's a time in life when I was a younger leader where I wanted to run ahead and change the world. I'm beginning to understand now that Jesus has run ahead of me. He's already changed the world. I get to remain in him and participate in what he's doing. That's where the fruit comes from, beloved. To be truly connected with him is to, is to experience the kind of intimate communion, friendship, fellowship that, that Jesus talks about in John 14. Read that when you get home later. John 14, 20 and 23, Jesus talks about him being in us and the, the Father and the Son coming to make their home in us by the Spirit. Our hearts becoming Jesus' own dwelling place, place of residency, not a guest. Many of us will have been on holiday over the last month or perhaps are about to go on holiday where we've been a guest somewhere for a while. We don't stay there. That's not our, our permanent address. Jesus says, I've come to make my home in you. He remains. He stays. He belongs. He is not leaving. He'll never leave us alone as orphans, he tells us in John 14. And so I'm realising much of what it means to learn how to abide and to remain simply consists of us recognising what Jesus has already done by the Spirit to bring us into this relationship with the Father, the Son and the Spirit. The, the, the instruction for us to remain isn't something else we must do. Write me another list. What, how do I learn to remain? Put me on a remaining course through the rest of this term so I can learn how to be a remainer in Jesus Christ. Now, there's not a course to do. There are surely some things that will help us and we look at them and teach and encourage them. Studying the Bible, praying, caring for one another. All these things are, are hugely important, in, in, uh, but they're external still. The primary way of remaining is to recognize that, that we're in a position in Jesus Christ because of what he's done in coming to make his home in us. And I don't know what my efforts, however worthy they may be, can add to what Jesus has done already to enable me to say my heart is a dwelling place for Jesus Christ to come and live by the Spirit. So my abiding isn't about work. It isn't about performance. Um, in fact, I'm released from all of that. Uh, and I'm released into being able to say, hey, my remaining and abiding is really demonstrated by thanksgiving, by worship, by adoration. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done to bring me into this. And, and so in doing so, you get this beautiful cycle, circle, of relationship deepening and remaining being strengthened. Hey, church, that's where healthy disciples and healthy church begin to grow from. The hardest thing for us to hear when we preach these kinds of simple passages is that we, we, we realise we need rewiring, uh, particularly us who've grown up in, in a Western culture, from everything that we think we need to do when Jesus just invites us to abide and to remain in him. To put it as Caleb would say it, just go up into the land and live there and eat the fruit for goodness sake. Something like that. Jesus really has done it all. We really can come and repent and rest in his finished work on the cross. We can invite him to move in. We can invite him to take over. We can invite him to do all the gardening, even the hard parts where we think, has he killed the plant? He's going to produce the fruit. So our prayer is that this teaching series and the week of prayer and fasting do some, some undoing of wrong thinking in us, some striving in us. And we discover again it's all about his, his grace. We're always looking for something more we can do, we have to do. We have to learn to get ourselves back on track. Can I invite us, I speak to my own heart as well, can we start this term by just repenting 
of that. It's a nonsense. It's an idolatry. <laughs> Will not the saviour of all glory come to us who've been so disconnected, we've been like a dead stick trying to plug ourselves in. He wants to connect us again to him through his life, out of our sinfulness, clothing us in his goodness, through his glory, transforming us, connecting us, pouring his life into us by his spirit and beginning to produce in us this healthy, rich fruitfulness. Well, for our part, what goes on my list? Oh, remain, worship, thanksgiving, hallelujah. <laughs> Let me hear an amen. Still fight against that. There must be more than this. There's got to be something I can do to be healthy and fruitful. No, remain, remain, remain. We really can be fruitful that way. He's really made it possible. Get close to Jesus. Get filled with the Spirit. Let his life come flooding into us. Wow. I read this from, uh, I think, Andrew Wilson this morning. He tweets every Sunday about the Lord's Day. And this is the Lord's Day. Every day is the Lord's Day. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But particularly, we come on this day of rest to worship him. And I read it, and it was great. And I wrote it down, and now I can't see it. Here we go. He said, it's another day of grace. Because he welcomes, we approach. Because he provides, we feast. Because he works, we rest. Because he died, we live. Happy Lord's Day. Would you stand up, please? We're going to pray. I recognise the danger of giving out spiritual health check sheets can mean that if you're wired like me, we say, yeah, that was great, that was lovely, very touchy-feely, but uh, forget everything we said. Here's a checklist. I can score myself. I can rate myself out of 10. I can see where I need to work a little bit harder, try a bit harder, uh, and feel better about myself. No, please prayerfully go through it. Please thank Jesus that he's the true vine and that true health starts and finishes in him. Let me encourage you, sign up for a small group. Even if you're brand new here this morning, we'd love to have you participating in our small group community. Perhaps over the next few weeks, some of us in small groups will look at these, ask ourselves some questions as we grow in trust and friendship. If you're able to, please stay. Even if you can't stay for lunch or to help out with some of the jobs, we'd love you just to stay for the first few minutes. We're going to break bread together before we eat. And I think that's part of this this morning, just reminding ourselves, he's done everything. We come as worshippers, broken branches, who somehow, because of Jesus, have been grafted in, not through our own graft, but through his grafting, and now joyfully bear fruit. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. If you feel like a dead stick this morning... Joe, have you got, yeah, thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these truths. Lord, if there are any here this morning who have not truly known what it is to abandon all of our own ways, all of our own leadership of our life, and to fully and completely give ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we pray that you would speak right now. Lord, I recognize most of us in here are already disciples. But there may be one or two, Lord, and so we invite you to completely win their hearts this morning. <laughs> oh, Jesus, would you convict? Would you show us that we're sinners that need to be broken off from the world and added into Jesus? If you're aware that that's you this morning, I really invite you to either come with someone that you've, uh, speak to someone that you've come with, or please come and speak to me. I'd love to pray with you and just explain briefly what it means for you to become a follower of Jesus. Lord, for the rest of us, we just welcome your Holy Spirit now. Our, our ground is open, as it were. We invite you to speak, Lord, and speak through these next 
few weeks, would you whisper, Lord, as we look at these health check sheets, Holy Spirit, would you whisper deep into our spirits, Lord, we repent of and turn away from self-effort and any human works. But Lord, we so long to hear the voice of the gardener, the one who will whisper in our ears, the one who will produce fruit and fruit that lasts. So God, we say, please take our lives. Please take this community. Lord, we do so long to be a truly healthy community. We don't want to be caught in the snare of lukewarmness, but we invite you to come and truly release your life. We thank you that you are, but we say for our part, we do want to take hold, abide and remain. We thank you for those beautiful prophetic promises. Never mind the promises of the scriptures. And we say, Lord, would you shape us with them in the coming days and weeks? Oh God, we want your authentic life. We want your authentic fruit. We dare not just rush into the next thing. If there's more pruning to do, Lord, you have our permission. And not that you need it to continue working in our lives, Lord. Because even though it's painful, we know it's because you have designed and promised to bear even more fruit, fruit through the, lacks of our, the likes of us. So we come to you thanking you for your promise. Lord, help us to be happy men and women of thanksgiving. Help us to come first with adoration and with joy and with freedom. Thank you for the promise that those who've sown in tears will return having reaped with songs of, of joy. We thank you for these words. We thank you for the fruit of new ministries and the fresh life in the old and the calling that you have for us. We just invite you to lead us forward in these coming weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.